Well, welcome in, and we now know the final four as San Diego State and the Miami Hurricanes get the last two spots on a Sunday afternoon in Louisville, Kentucky and Kansas City, Missouri, respectively. And now we know it's San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, Miami and UConn to play in Houston this coming Saturday to set the stage for college basketball's national championship for 2023. Welcome into the nation's college basketball show and podcast. Once more, I'm TJ Reeves. Great to have you with us. However, you found us through a social media link through our partners at lastwordonsports.com slash podcast. Uh, Last Word on Sports doing great work, and uh, we're proud to be associated with them through the TuneIn streaming channel by the same name, College Basketball Coast to Coast. If you found the show that way, thank you for finding us. Realize it's in podcast form. You can get it on demand whenever you want it through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're ready to recap the controversial end to San Diego State and Creighton, and then the dramatic comeback by the Miami Hurricanes as they rally from 13 down to beat the Texas Longhorns, knock off the two seed, beat the one seed on Friday night, beat the two seed on Sunday. They are in the final four and deservedly so. And there's nobody undeserving between FAU, UConn, San Diego State, and now Miami in any of this. But uh, just amazing to watch it all unfold. All right, straight ahead, Mark Wise will be here, my analyst uh, for a long time, not just here with TuneIn, but previously with Fox Sports Radio. With SiriusXM, Mark has great insight from the ESPN family of networks, the SEC network. Mark, a former longtime assistant in the college game in the 1980 Final Four with Purdue. It's been that long for Purdue uh, that Mark and Lee Rose, the late Lee Rose, were the coaches. Joe Barry Carroll, the top star player for Purdue in that Final Four. So Mark's got insight on all of this. I want to get to him on the controversial ending with the foul, no foul, uh, at the end of San Diego State and Creighton, I'm going to tell you up front. I'm going to hear Mark's opinion. That's the right call. Mark has drained it, uh, drilled it into me, and so have many others over the course of the last 20, 25 years of covering this game. You have to protect the guy with the ball. You have to protect the guy with the ball going to the basket. And if he's being bumped, even if it's not a football uh, block or tackle, if he's being bumped while shooting, you've got to call that. It's the right call. And I heard Jim Spinarkel on CBS right away agree. And I heard Clark Kellogg in the studio right away agree. And Gene Steratore, who was an official uh, for the better part of 20 years in college basketball, including working like 15 NCAA tournaments, he said right away, that's a foul. You have got to make that call. And it is. And so as it turns out, San Diego State gets the win- the winning free throw uh, after Danny Trammell had missed the first one. And then you're thinking, my God, is he going to miss both of these free throws after the controversial foul call? Uh, Darian Trammell, excuse me. After Trammell missed the first one, you're thinking, is he going to blow both and give uh, a Creighton the ultimate mulligan here with just a second left? But no, he makes the second one, and San Diego State wins 57-56. Then you had the whole clock thing at the end uh, where it was obvious to me, and I'm going to talk more about this with our guests in a bit, The clock didn't start on time when the San Diego State defender touched the ball. The game was over in that moment, and they reviewed and reviewed and reviewed for three minutes and then got the stopwatch out. And and yes, no kidding, the ball touched his hand, floated in the air off his hand, then landed on the ground, and that took more than 1.2 seconds. The game is over. So the Aztecs are in the Final Four for the first time ever. Very deserving as the Mountain West regular season champs, as the Mountain West tournament champs. They are, without a doubt a brand in the West that most of the East and the central time zones don't really know that much about. You know about Gonzaga, you know about UCLA, you're starting to learn more about them, but they've been good for a while. Steve Fisher built them 
in the early to mid-2000s into an NCAA tournament team. Brian Dutcher was his assistant with those teams, and he has taken over now the last few years, and now they are in the Final Four. The tears were flowing uh, as uh, as San Diego State has gotten there now to play Florida Atlantic on Saturday. So Mark Wise will be here straight ahead. And then after that, Bill Rowland will be here, the voice of the George Mason Patriots. I love Bill's insight because 17 years ago tonight, he and the George Mason Patriots were celebrating a regional final win in Washington, D.C. over UConn with Jim Laranega as the coach of George Mason. Now, 17 years later, Miami is going there for the first time with Jim Laranega as the coach. 73 years young, and Miami deserves a tremendous amount of credit for rallying to beat Texas. They knock out the two seed. As I said, they beat the one seed on Friday. Now they beat the two seed. Give credit where it is due as they are able to get that win really without using the three-point shot. It was a, a great performance, uh, individual one-on-one uh, -on -one shooting, free-throw shooting, getting a couple of key stops. What a night uh, for Miami. And, and South Florida now with the Miami Hurricanes – uh, in Miami proper, and with the FAU Owls in, Bo in Boca Raton, they're gonna they're gonna clean out the retirement areas of Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, Boca Raton, all that area on the east coast of Florida, the southeast part of Florida. Just tremendous uh, what they were able to do, and they deny Texas the opportunity to go to Houston, where you would have easily in Houston's NRG Stadium had forty thousand Texas fans at that game. For Saturday night. Instead, it's Miami that will be there for UConn. How many UConn fans? How many Miami alums? Look, I, I would think about a third of San Diego is going to try to get to this thing, too. Let's see, along with Florida Atlantic. All right, so everything is set. The table is set here for some guests. Again, thank you for finding me, however you found me. Let's get into it on the controversy at the end of San Diego State Creighton and Miami's comeback win over Texas, both on a Sunday to fill out the Final Four. As mentioned, dramatic finish in both, really, regional finals. None more than the first game in Louisville that ends controversially, although, as I've already said, it ended, I believe, correctly on a foul call as, uh, again, uh, you can't let that go. You've got, you've got to get San Diego State to the foul line if he's bumped with a second left. Uh, as much as everybody's going to scream, you got to make that call. That's my thought. Let's bring in here uh, one of my longtime analysts. This guy's been with me uh, going all the way back to the Sirius XM days, Fox Sports Radio, and now tune in for the better part of a decade. I love Mark Wise's insight, former assistant in the Final Four with Purdue uh, the last time they were there. Uh, also, uh, ESPN's coverage of college basketball, including the SEC Network's coverage. All right, point blank to you. We're going to get into both of these regional final wins by San Diego State and by Miami to go to the Final Four. Is it the right call at the end of the Aztecs-Creighton game uh, that ends up being the difference in the game, the one free throw? Is it the right call? Absolutely, without question. You're talking about an airborne shooter, and anytime somebody is airborne, it doesn't take much to throw them off. I thought it was a no-brainer. Now, there are two separate issues at play here. And I know that the guys on CBS were debating about, can you make that call at that point in time? Uh, let the players decide the game. I'm not of that ilk. I, I, if, you're, if it's supposed to be called, then you make the foul call. Um, there's no question that our game is too physical. But that conversation is for a summer fix. 
Um, in terms of, of one call in a situation like this, you don't let the players decide. I mean, if there's an obvious foul, and in my view, this was without question an obvious foul. And again, uh, Trammell goes to the line and makes that free throw, and then we had the whole ending, almost an anticlimactic ending uh, for right. San Diego State where they're having to review and review. And I'm saying on text message to people, including you, uh, I'm saying to the TV in an empty house, the clock didn't start when he touched the ball. The game is over. And finally, painfully, minutes later, they came to that conclusion uh, that the clock didn't start. So San Diego State is justified. And by the way, let's give Greg McDermott credit, the Creighton coach. He said, hey, I'm not going to blame the officiating here. Uh, it's a class thing by him to say that and to try right. to dispel it. All right. So now let's get into how San Diego State did this. Put your right. analyst hat on. How did they do this, not only beating Alabama, but now taking the final step to get to the Final Four and win this game against Creighton? TJ, one of the things that coaches will always talk about with their defensive schemes is we have to stay out of rotations. Well, how do you stay out of rotations? The number one reason that you can get beat um, by getting into rotations is getting beat off the bounce. And quite frankly, San Diego State, I think, is the best on-ball defensive team that I've seen in quite some time. They simply do not get beat off the bounce, so there is never a need for a help defender, which causes a domino effect to get you into rotations. Because of that, because of their strength out front on the perimeter, they don't get beat, and as a consequence, their defense is elevated because they stay way away from rotations and you and i saw them courtside in orlando in the two yeah. wins charleston and Furman that they won they've now taken a huge step by beating the one seed alabama and beating yeah, remember they were yeah. in trouble against drake in that first game big time trouble yeah with about four minutes to go they they again you've heard me say this for years You've, you've got to have NBA talent. You've got to be in the top 40 of Kim Palm's offense and the defensive efficiency, even though Miami kind of disrupts that. But the third thing is you've got to be healthy. And, and obviously, um, this tournament has been littered with teams that have not been healthy at a key point in time. And then the last thing, somewhere along the line, the basketball gods have got to smile on you. And perhaps maybe in that opening round game against Drake, maybe the basketball gods gave the Hurricanes one. Yeah, well, and they yeah they got through doing one. And again, for San Diego State, they got through Charleston. And maybe the basketball gods smile right. on you with the foul call. But I believe that's the right call. Um, again, we decided a national title with Ramil Robinson at the foul line in 89. I know there's a lot of people right now that are involved in analyzing and talking about college basketball that think it began in 2010, Mark. Yes. It didn't begin in 2010. It began uh, for all of us in the 70s, the 80s, the right. 90s, and Ramil Robinson won a national title game at the foul line that is still controversial right. to this day for Michigan and Seton Hall 1989. This was not a national title game, but San Diego State moves through. And again, one of the one of the I guess unsung powers of the West, not as much attention as Gonzaga and UCLA, but they've been really good right. for a while. And now they're in the final four to play Florida Atlantic more, more time later this week to analyze that. Let's get to the nightcap game. I want your analysis while I have you for just a couple of more moments uh, as Mark wise is with me. How did Miami here again? Same question. How yeah. did Miami overcome Texas down the stretch after trailing by 13 in the second half and not doing it with three point shots? How did they do it? 
Yeah, uh, they did it, obviously, at the free throw line. Uh, they made up for their that three-point differential. I think it was minus 24, and you just don't win games when you're minus 24 in three-point differential. I, I think one thing has been really consistent in terms of these Sweet 16 games, elite quickness in the on the perimeter at the guard line pays off. And whether, whether or not you're talking about Florida Atlantic, who has, and I saw them earlier in the year, they have elite quickness in the backcourt, and so does Miami in, in terms of Wong and Pack and, and what they can bring to the table. So when you start there with a certain level of quickness, um, the the older players that they've that they've acquired in terms of the transfer portal, um, everybody's older. I mean, that's not big that big of a deal. But when you combine the experience with the quickness, you have a backcourts like you have in Miami and at Florida Atlantic. Again, Miami did not make a three-pointer in the right. second half, Mark Wise. And they won the game at 28 of 32 from the foul line. Big shot after big shot in the final four or five minutes that they made. Texas Valiant, what a story with the interim coach, Rodney Terry. Will they name him the permanent head coach or not? They did not get to the final four. Let's see what they do. Say something real quick because we're going to elaborate on this after you're gone. Jim Laranega. Coach, yeah. 17 years to the day on George Mason's upset 2006 of UConn, the consensus number one team in the tournament, the number one team in the country, to go to the Final Four. Jim Laranega and his players have done it again at a different school, at Miami. I know Miami's not a mid-major in terms of budget, power conference they play in, but this is right. remarkable symmetry. He's back in the Final Four 17 years later, Laranega. Yeah, it's quite impressive, TJ. I'll tell you one thing, that George Mason team was also quick in the perimeter, but what Omier gives Miami is something George Mason did not have, and that was a guy that can play block to block. He's matched up really well with all the bigs in the tournament. Um, do they have a shot against UConn? Who knows? Uh, we can get into that as the week goes along because right now this sort of reminds me in a way of Albuquerque. Because in, in Albuquerque in 83, everybody thought the winner was going to come from the Louisville-Houston game. And, and the Georgia-North Carolina State game was kind of the undercard, if you will. Mm -hmm. I see a similarity here because I think most people will think that the winner of the UConn-Miami game will probably win. And, and the Florida Atlantic and the San Diego State game will be the, on the undercard. One never knows. And by the way, Mark Wise was in the building that night. I was in the building. You still talk about Jim Valvano running around trying to hug somebody, including you, after that play. <laughs> yes. uh, that night for NC State upsetting Five Slamma Jamma Houston. What? And now speaking of Houston, what are we going to get in Houston? We will find out. That's more for later in the week. Hey, listen, great insight on the fly. I, I always love getting to talk to you uh, for both of these uh, situations here uh, on this with San Diego State advancing, Miami advancing to join Florida Atlantic and UConn. Mark Wise, thank you. If you'll let me bother you later in the week in and around the Final Four, including Final Four weekend, we look forward to doing that. Thank you, my friend, on a Sunday night. Thanks, TJ. The conversation continues more in a moment. If you're looking, though, for tickets to the upcoming Final Four in Houston, use our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. They've got the most competitive pricing on the secondary market, 
Your satisfaction and your purchase is 100% guaranteed with Ticket Smarter. And we've got a promo code for you. Take $50 off your order of 400 bucks or more this weekend with Ticket Smarter. Use that code for either the national semifinal games with San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, and Miami and UConn, or use it for the national title game on Monday night, April the 3rd. Use the promo code HOOPS23. HOOPS23 gets you $50 off your order of $400 or more with Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. Again, very competitive pricing, but most importantly, your purchase is secure and guaranteed with Ticket Smarter. You don't have to worry about any of that. And we've got the promo code offer as well. Again, 50 bucks off your order of $400 or more. Go to the Final Four this weekend in Houston through Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. Think Smarter, Ticket Smarter. The promo code is HOOPS23. As I mentioned, if you talk symmetry of what Miami has done on March the 26th, 2023, you uh, you bookend it with what happened on March the 26th of 2006 when Jim Laranega did it with George Mason, and you bring in now the 17-year play-by-play voice of the George Mason Patriots, Bill Rowland, to tell me all about 2006 and what he and I and everybody else by the millions just watched in 2023 as Jim Laranega is back with a Miami program in the Final Four for the first time ever. Hello, Bill Rowland. Good to have you on college basketball coast-to-coast. I won't speak for you, but, I mean, nail-biting, exhilarating, crazy finishes in both games, and now we know it's San Diego State and Miami. First of all, let's go to the Miami game. Your thoughts, having lived this before with Jim Laranega 17 years ago today – your thoughts as they pulled it off in a comeback over Texas to go to the Final Four, please. I mean, it is incredible. He is what they said. I thought I heard the oldest Final Four coach now in history, right? Is 73 years old. I think I heard that stat. Um, yeah, it's funny because we were down big in the second half against UConn back in 2006. And so I'm sitting there, and of course different than 2006 i'm texting with my friends during this and a couple of guys are like i don't know man they're going to be gassed i don't know if miami could pull this off and i was like don't you remember our starters played the last like eight minutes of regulation plus overtime didn't make a substitution i said larinaga's got them right where he wants them because they're not going to get tired they're going to be fine and they just slowly reeled them in and reeled them in and reeled them in And, and what can you say about jordan miller i mean unbelievable performance. What a clutch job by him. I don't know that it belongs with Christian Leitner. It's now 31 years later from the 1992 East Regional Final at the Old Spectrum that they've now torn down in Philadelphia. Leitner was perfect that night, including the winning shot at the horn. Uh, But Miller's, Miller's night is perfect from the floor, 7 of 7, perfect from the line, 13 of 13. It's not a winning shot. I guess it belongs in the conversation. Grant Hill was saying that as they left the air on CBS about, about Christian Leitner. I don't know that it's right there, but maybe it's in the conversation or in the neighborhood. It's remarkable that he didn't. he didn't miss a shot, and they made almost every free throw, and he made all of them, and they needed them, Bill. Yeah, I, I don't think it rises to Leitner because his was such an iconic shot. It was Duke in Kentucky. Yeah. And this, no offense to either one of these teams, this is Miami and Texas, not exactly. If it had been a football game, then yeah, maybe <laughs> we would talk about it as being one. But it's Miami and Texas basketball. So certainly doesn't rise to the Leitner 
perfect, you know, perfection of 31 years ago. But man, that was a heck of a performance and good for that kid. And again, it's so funny. The story lines are all the way through. He started his career at George Mason, transferred when Dave Paulson was let go as the coach, went to Miami. Now he's in the final four. It all comes back to George Mason. That's why we have Bill Rowland here. You follow him at Bill Rowland with an H, R-O-H-L-A-N-D, on social media. Bill, again, is involved with the Odyssey BetQL morning show. The morning tip, right, is the morning show. Daily tip. Daily tip. I was close. I was so close to getting it all right. Uh, The daily tip is the morning show on the BetQL network of shows through Odyssey. Uh, You see it and you hear it uh, through that. And Bill is involved with that morning show. Also, the voice of the George Mason Patriots. Uh, one or two more on this, and then we got to get to the controversy and whether you thought it was the right call or not at the end of San Diego State and Creighton. Miami did not make a three-point shot in the second half and came from behind from 13 down to win the game. That is hard to comprehend how they did that, right? Oh, yeah, especially in this day and age of college basketball, right? It's nothing but three-point shots and, and how teams win. They made, a, it was 11 in the win against Houston on Friday night. So, yeah, just an incredible performance from their offense. And, again, Texas did a great job crowding them off the three-point line, not letting them get to where they wanted to go. But, again, a great job by Miami. And I got to shout out. Their associate mm-hmm. head coach, Bill Courtney. I talked with him during the week this week and was expressing my you know, concern. Hey, man, you're going to have to go through Houston and probably Texas, two of the best offensive teams in the country. He's kind of like their offensive coordinator, kind of jokingly said, I think we got something for him. He drops 89 on Houston and 87 on Texas. Well done, BC. Well done. That's all I got to say about that. Man, that is a, that's a big time uh, insight and connection there on that. Say say another thing too, because you were around Jim Laranagan again. What a phenomenal story all the way around. It's Bill's first year to be doing the games, and you uh, back in 06, and you go to the Final Four. Give the insight on what Jim Laranega was like to be around pregame interview, postgame interview, coaches show, all the stuff. And it has obviously just continued. It's continued uh, with how he treats people. His players love him. But you saw it 16, 17 years ago before the rest of us really knew all about it. Speak more on it, Bill, if you would, on Jim Laranega. Yeah, you know what? And he looks, even though he's got a little less hair and maybe it's a little more gray, but it's still the same. You hear the whistle when you're watching the games, and I'll never forget that whistle that he's got, the Bronx whistle, as he calls it. He just made sure, and I think he learned from that run in 2006, and I think he's coached with this way since then, of just making sure that everybody is having fun. I mean, he still takes it serious. They still game plan. But when you're getting to the moment, when you're in the tournament, he wants to make sure that everybody that's along for the ride, and I'm sure the Miami folks will say the same thing going to the Elite Eight last year and the Final Four this year, that he just wants to make sure that the experience is something that you won't forget. He doesn't kind of bubble himself away and doesn't want to be one of those coaches that doesn't talk to people. I guarantee you this week, he won't be able to talk by the time he gets to Houston on Thursday, whenever they're going to fly in, because he will try to do every single interview that is asked of him because he is just he just wants to talk. Then it was about Mason and telling the story. Now it'll be about Miami and telling their story. 
That's the kind of guy he is. And I can't believe, TJ, he hasn't been brought up for the Hall of Fame yet. I hope this solidifies him as a Hall of Famer. Should be in the conversation. There we go with that uh, axiom again. Should at least be discussed. I know he's not won a national title, but to take a mid-major to the Final Four and now take Miami there to the Final Four for the first time ever and a long, distinguished career record uh, of wins and success We'll see for Jim Laranega. Again, lots of credit to them. You feel for Texas because Texas, with an interim coach, was right there on the cusp of being in Houston for the national title, but Miami just outplayed them. They took it from them on a Sunday, and now it's Miami and UConn in one semifinal, and the other one has San Diego State and FAU. All right, I got to have you here. Give me the takes. Was it the right call on the foul call at the end that put San Diego State on the line? I'm going to say yes, and I know I'll get a lot of pushback from people that say, oh, you got to let him play five more minutes. You got a little. Well, if that foul, if the left hand doesn't knock him off his line, doesn't slow him down, he might hit that floater. We may not be talking about controversy. So I didn't even even in the moment, I did not have a problem with the whistle. And even more so when I saw the replay and the left hand kind of guided the shooter off his line. I mean, I know it's tough for Creighton fans, and I actually was pulling for them. I was hoping they were going to win that game, but it was a foul. And whether it's 10-minute mark of the first half, six-minute mark of the second half, or 1.2 seconds to go, a foul's a foul, TJ. I don't know how you feel about that. And, but especially, that's and especially, you and I have done this for a long time. You've called a ton of games in the uh, in the hundreds, if not now over 1,000 of them probably. And I've, I've easily done seven or 800 of them on play-by-play. If we're now, I mean, especially in the present day, it, it, we have got to protect the guy with the ball, the shooter, the guy going to the basket better. It's gotten somewhat better, but still not that good on protecting that guy. And in this case, with the final four on the line, potential game-winning shot, you got to protect that guy. And again, Nimhard's got an arm on him, got a hand on him, and is shoving him. And I, I'm with you. I am. I am with. I know it's a bitter pill to swallow. And one more time, because I said it earlier before you came on, I have said this for thirty plus years. I'm not preaching to you. I'm saying to everybody: stop it, stop it, stop it with stuff that goes on in the first half being on the same level of significance with something that happens in the final minute or in the final seconds of any game. They're not the same. Thing. The final four is not on the line in the first half of the game. The World Series is not on the line in the first inning of game seven. The Super Bowl, Bill, I'm being uh, almost obnoxious. The Super Bowl is not on the line on the first possession of the first quarter of the Super Bowl. This is to go to the final four in the final two seconds of the game. So, yes, it has more significance if someone is being fouled as opposed to even the five-minute mark of the game because you still have time to overcome that uh, in a close game. So, again, uh, it's going to be talked about. It's going to be debated. I think they got it right. Uh, Just say one more thing about how wide open this whole thing is. It's the first time since 1970 that we have three first-time Final Four teams. 53 years since we've had three first-time Final Four teams. All right, uh, and at San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami, UConn is the only uh, repeat team that's been there and won national championships repeatedly. They are they are vastly experienced compared to any of these other teams. Bill, say something about how wide open this whole thing has been and, while, and how wide open it will be this weekend in Houston, obviously. 
Yeah, it's crazy, TJ, because, I mean, you think about UConn. I'll just go you know, kind of team by team. UConn, if they win, was that, three titles by three different coaches over how many? That's an impressive run for them to do that. We think about all the titles that Duke has won and Carolina's won. It was all Coach K. It was Dean and Roy. This would be three different coaches at UConn in, what, a 20-year probably? Not even, not even. Calhoun, Calhoun 2011. Kevin Alley replacing him in 2014. And now this would be Danny Hurley if they can get there. Two more big steps to go. So really three in 12 years, 13 seasons is what it would be. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. So that would be an incredible story. I wish Miami and UConn were on opposite sides of the bracket. I think that's the best matchup for a title game. Honestly, I think whoever wins that Final Four side is going to win the national title. They'll beat whoever comes out of the other bracket. FAU is a fantastic story. They are as good a story as there's been since Butler went back-to-back its Final Fours, you know, 10 years ago or whatever their run was. They're a fantastic story. And again, San Diego State, they just bully and beat you up and find ways to win. It is amazing. And what a great thing. I saw their, their interview with their head coach after the game, and he's, you know, of course, yeah, deferring to Coach Fisher, who was there years ago. I mean, just a class act. All four of these teams have great storylines and great backstories. I don't know what the ratings will be like. You and I will be watching, TJ, because we're basketball guys. But I've already seen the chatter on Twitter about great storylines, no one's going to watch. Great storylines, no one's going to watch. I don't know if I believe that or no. not. I, I can tell you, we don't have it in front of us, but as Sunday night becomes Monday and into Tuesday, you're going to see that both of these games were massively rated on CBA's, CBS relative. And next Saturday night, that Miami-UConn game will easily destroy anything else on network TV for the weekend by three or four times the audience. Is it going to have the same as Duke Carolina, which was on cable a year ago? Obviously not. Coach K's potential final game. But this th- that game is still going to have 16, 18 million people watching, probably somewhere in that neighborhood, Miami and Connecticut. And that is three or four times anything else on network TV. So there will be audience. It's all relative. And I know what you mean. There's some that are going to knock it, but you can't you can't knock how wide open this has been and how dramatic it has been. The weekend that began with an unreal Michigan State, Kansas State game Thursday night in the Sweet 16 that continued with Gonzaga, UCLA, that moves through now uh, to San Diego State's last second free throw finish over Creighton and then Miami coming from behind to beat Texas. Drama, drama, drama everywhere um, uh, for this weekend. Um, All right, fantastic stuff. Uh, Bill, again, we plug, they can find you as part of the daily tip, correct? On the BetQL network from Odyssey. Find him on that morning show. He's also the voice of the George Mason Patriots at Bill Roland with an H, R-O-H-L-A-N-D. My XM brother from another mother from over 20 years ago doing XM radio uh, with me, with Ari Russell, with Matt Fishman, with everybody involved with XM before the merger. I got much love for you for a lot of reasons. I, I, am I going to go ahead and book you as a guest, by the way? Let me do the quick math in my head. For the 2040 
Are we both still alive and going for the 2040 show to set up the final four for Jim Laranega to be 90 years old and take another team to the final four and bookend it with Bill Rowland again? Am I booking you for 17 years from now? Let's I do mean, it. It's I a mean, date. I hope, I hope we talk before then. But <laughs> yes. If we're both around in 2040 and doing whatever version, probably be a hologram version of this type of show, whatever it is. I mean, you know, Bill you and TJ from time. outer space on another planet doing the March Madness show 17 years later. I'll talk to you before then, but this is per, um, this is a uh, bizarre omen, perfect wild that 17 years later, Jim Laranega takes another team to the final four that's never been there before. Incredible story. Bill Rowland, thank you for helping me tell it on college basketball coast to coast. As always, we'll catch up soon, TJ. Thank you. And there he goes. Love the insight of Bill Rowland here with me again from the BetQL Daily Tip Show that starts things off on their network through the Odyssey channels, uh, live on their social media uh, as well in podcast form. Love Bill's insight as well as the voice of the George Mason Patriots as he has been for the last 17 years. 17 years ago, George Mason with Jim Laranega as the coach is in. Now Miami, 17 years later, is in. With Jim Laranega, again, it's the first time since 1973, first time Final Four teams, first time since 2011, no number one seeds. And that year, the Final Four was in Houston in 2011, and UConn won the national title, defeating Butler in the title game. Are we about to see a repeat with no number ones in Houston and UConn winning it again? Not if Miami has something to say about it. And what about San Diego State and Florida Atlantic? We look forward to previewing the games more as this week goes on. I cannot wait to talk more on college basketball coast to coast about it. And we will be live in Houston starting on Friday and throughout the weekend. Saturday pregame show, Saturday night recap show, Sunday live show from Houston. And then again on Monday with a preview of the national title game and a Monday night recap show. All of that from the Lone Star State, all of that from Houston coming up here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Whether you found us on the TuneIn streaming channel, College Basketball Coast to Coast, or in podcast form, thank you for doing so. Stick with us. It's San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. It's Miami and UConn. We'll come your way from the Lone Star State coming this weekend as the Final Four sorts out. For my guests, Mark Wise and Bill Rowland, I'm nearly TJ Reeves. The Final Four is set, and we'll be talking more about it here on College Basketball Coast to Coast.